So like before I even start, I just want to say how annoying it is that I spent so much time making my hair look this deliberately messy and you can't appreciate it properly on the camera because the camera flattens everything. So I'm drawing attention to it specifically so that you can see how great it turned out, even though you can't because it just looks flat and that's good. It's a part of my head and I don't appreciate it, but it is what it is. So whether you care or not, I cared. So I'm just drawing attention to my hair that looks fabulous in real life and like a mess, a, an undeliberate mess on camera. Anyway, so today I am talking about something that is probably not going to be of interest to a lot of people, but it is to me because it's part of my studies and I find I, I found it really fascinating and so I just wanted to share. And I've kind of done a little bit of this before on previous videos because like I, I said then, you know, when when I talk to people about my scholarship and the things that interest me academically, their eyes tend to glaze over. But you are either going to watch it all of the way through because you're a masochist or you're not, and I'll never know. So it's great. Either way, it works for me. So in a previous videos, I've kind of touched on here and there that my family moved to Branson last March and I didn't really know anything about Branson until we moved here and it was a little bit before we moved here because we came in November of 21 because my brother bought a house but anyway so I didn't really know anything about Branson. My parents came down for like an anniversary thing in 2021 when the pandemic was still going on and Branson was kind of recovering. And if you don't know, Branson is kind of like a Christian Vegas where it's got all of the shows and the lights and the glitz and the glamour. And it's even got a strip and it's got, you know, restaurants and it's it's got this really cool downtown called Branson Landing. And, and it's it's like a mini little Christian Vegas, except there's no gambling. And so they thrive on their tourism industry. It's a town of about 10, 12,000 people that services like 7 million every year. It's one of the biggest drive-in destinations for vacations in America. And I'd never heard of it. I, I didn't even really know where the Ozarks were. Geography has never been my strongest academic anything. <laughs> and so I kind of like had a vague idea that the Ozarks were somewhere in the Midwest, but I didn't know where. And I'm mentioning this because Branson is in the Ozarks. And so my when my parents came down for their like anniversary honeymoon thing, my parents are perpetually in a honeymoon. I, I, I like and have been basically my whole life. They've had like a few bumps here and there, but for the most part, they've basically just been in their honeymoon phase forever. Anyway, so went to Branson for vacation and they came back just like completely enthralled with it and my mom handed me this book and she's just like you need to read this and I was like okay what is it and she's called she said it's called the shepherd of the hills and I was like okay she's like it's what Branson is based on and I'm like okay so I put it on the shelf and I kind of forgot about it because 
life got in the way. I was in the middle of school at the time I was doing my master's thesis for my master's in communications. And so I didn't really have time to dedicate to a book. So I put it on the shelf and then totally and completely forgot about it. And then we started really looking as a family for places to move for the, like the final time. At the time, it wasn't Branson. It, it wasn't even necessarily Missouri. We were kind of narrowing it down where we wanted to go. We had Tennessee. We had uh, a couple other places. I was leaning hard towards Tennessee. We lived there when I was 10 to almost 13. And I just have really fond memories of it. It's gorgeous. Uh, rolling hills and the green and the the country living. And I just, I loved it in Tennessee. So that's kind of where I was leaning and my mom was leaning in that direction too. And somehow we ended up with Missouri and we just kind of kept narrowing it down, narrowing it down, narrowing it down. We ended up narrowing it down to more or less the Springfield area. And my brother, Zachary, called up my parents and said, hey, are you guys serious about Branson? And mom, my parents were like, well, we're seriously considering the possibility of Branson. And my brother's like, cool, well, I'm putting an offer down on a house. And my mom's like, Branson it is. So we all came down here that November of 21 to help get them moved in and because he was turning it into an Airbnb. And so we're getting them situated, getting all of the rooms set up and it, painting done and decorating done and all that stuff and it just kind of resonated with all of us it was so I don't know pure like whether it's whether this is your thing or not it's just it's God freedom family all year round and it feels that way I mean there's just there's just something different about Branson so we were all really, I don't know, called, I guess. We felt called to be here. And so we've been slowly moving down here. So my parents, my youngest brother, and I moved down here in March. And on the way down here to move, I finally got around to listening to, because I, I listened to it on the drive, The Shepherd of the Hills. And I was honestly blown away it's very I don't know should I say traditional it's very formulaic in in the sense of it it follows all it, it hits all of the story beats that are very common for these types of stories and what it is it's written as a melodrama in the traditional Shakespearean comedic plot format. So if you're familiar with Shakespeare at all, it's kind of like one of the early comedies where it's very kind of, you know, cut and dry. You have a hero, you have a heroine, there's a there's a definite villain, and then there's some ambiguous threads here and there, and there's a lot of like misunderstandings and chaos. I don't think there's any cross-dressing, though, which is a little disappointing, but not overly so. And then, of course, a happy ending with all of the proper couples being proper couples. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's very formulaic and traditional, but in a way that 
you you feel drawn into it because of that that the the almost cliche setup and payoff are really almost kind of cathartic like a Shakespearean comedy you know and because Shakespeare is so well known I think a lot of his comedies have lost their cathartic appeal in that we already know how they end that we we've been spoiled even if we've never read one even if we've never seen one performed we've all as a culture been spoiled for the ending of pretty much any Shakespearean comedy because they've just been around for so long and they've been done and and talked about and you know for so long which is not a problem but because the shepherd of the hills was kind of almost lost the time not so i mean obviously not so in branson because of reasons that i'm going to explain but at at large people have really forgotten about it which is a darn shame because it's really good and it's really fun so I read it and I was like, I need to know more about the book and the author. So I was just about to start my PhD program and I'm doing narrative communications where I bridge the, the creative writing aspect with the communications theories and kind of get that sort of science of story. And so I delved into it. I had I was taking two history of communications classes that semester, which was a terrible idea, and I did not do it on purpose, but I feel was kind of a god thing because it put me so deeply into the Shepherd of the Hills and the author and the other books that he's written. So Harold Bell Wright is the author of The Shepherd of the Hills, and he wrote debated between five and 12 best-selling books from 1902 until 19, I don't know, 40 something. I can't remember. He, he died before, I'm pretty sure he died before world, either before world war two started or before we, or before America entered world war two. I can't, remember exactly but sometime around there and i mean he was huge to the point where during the first world war the the boys who were across you know the pond as 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 it goes would go to the lending libraries and ask for books by harold bell wright and he sold millions of copies of the shepherd of the hills alone and I mean, nobody's heard of this guy. And the reason why is because he wrote for the masses and not for literary acclaim. He was not very well educated, and which is something that actually bothered him a lot. And he, he passed it off as, you know, he really didn't care to be all that well educated. And yet at the same time, it clearly bothered him. It's all throughout his autobiography he says it's not a real autobiography but um it's obviously autobiographical anyway so it, it, throughout his his autobiography he mentions a few times that he's not very well educated 
in the traditional sense of education. But he was very well learned through living in the world. I mean, if you if you get the chance, you need to read his biography, his autobiography because it's just it's really fascinating. And so he, while he was he he was a minister for a little while, and while he was was a minister in oh i'm pretty sure it was missouri or kentucky um his tuberculosis he'd had tuberculosis earlier and it started acting up he started having problems he couldn't do the job of a minister and so he decided to basically just decided to become a writer and the first book that he wrote was that printer of Udell's and the second book that he wrote, which is the, the book that he wrote quote, on purpose, that printer of Udell's he wrote as a, as, as sort of like an example that he wanted to read to his congregation as a sermon, as a sort of allegory for why we, the church needed to become a, a church of, action and works and it's like it, it's it's all well and good to say that you're a christian to say that you follow christ to say these things but if you're not doing the work then your words are hollow type of thing so he wrote the shepherd of the hills and please forgive all of the the markings um i like i said wrote a paper about it and i plan to revisit said paper for potential publication so the markings are still here but this was published in 1907 and it was like an instant bestseller. It went all over the place. There have been like three movies made, two silent films, and then one with uh, John Wayne, which was an abomination. And we, I wish we didn't, I, I, I genuinely wish that that was not the reason why people still know the name Shepherd of the Hills because it's nothing like the book at all. And I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but I heard that at one point John Wayne actually, after having been in the movie, read the book afterward and then uh, contacted Harold Bellwright to apologize to him for being involved with the absolute trash that was the movie but then he has all of these other ones and these are this is something that i want to really kind of show you to bring home just how little his his works have survived as a i, I don't know so it would be kind of like if a hundred years from now people didn't know anything about harry potter not quite to that extent but I mean, he was pretty popular. So these are first editions of some of his best-selling books. So we have The Shepherd of the Hills, When a Man's a Man, The Calling of Dan Matthews, God and the Grocery Man, and The Winning of Barbara Worth. And of these books, these ones, I believe, were all $25 each. And then The Shepherd of the Hills, I paid... I want to say 50, but I mean, it was, it was less, 
it might have been at, well, maybe it was 150. Let me see if the price might be inside of it. No, it's not. Anyway, regardless, I did not pay very much for it at all. And it's actually inscribed as a Christmas gift for somebody in 1907. And the, But the fact that I can have this first, first edition and that all of these books are first editions, they're not necessarily in the best condition, but they are first editions. For that little amount of money, for as popular as he was, is mind-boggling and i mean there's very little scholarship that's been done on his writings in and of itself like of his writing sure there are all sorts of scholars that want that like to talk about how baffled they are that he was so popular because he really sucked as an author which he didn't by the way uh he he was a little rough by the standards of 1907 but by today's standards extremely eloquent so there's not a lot about his works and there are i mean there are some eh things in them i'm not going to pretend like they're not he he lived in 1907 there were certain prejudices of that era certain you know ideas and and things like that do i condone that no but i mean it it is it was he was a product of his time and as he grew older, as he, you know, learned more and as society began to change, so did he. But I feel like it's a real disservice to anybody in the past to blame, the, to condemn them for the lives that they lived based off of the standards of what we're, we have today. I mean, in, at some point in the future, people are going to look back on where we're living and how we're living right now and judge us for the things that we do and who knows what it is that they're going to choose to judge us for but regardless i digress so yeah you've never heard of this guy and it's a cry and shame i don't want to spoil the shepherd of the hills because it is just such a good read so much fun there's a the audiobooks that i listen to i highly recommend because the the reader did a really fantastic job you know he, he did all of the voices and um there was i even think a few places there was music that was put to it but anyway at some point i would really like to just read his books on video and have them uploaded to like youtube or something and i think that people would really enjoy them because he is just he writes to the common person and he doesn't talk down to them he doesn't you know condescend to them the his he was them he lived that life he dug himself out of that life and everything that he put into his books is basically a formula for how to dig yourself out of a life that you don't want to live which is one of the reasons why the John Wayne Shepherd of the Hills movie was such a shame. Okay, I really shouldn't talk about that movie because I haven't seen it. I'm like working myself up to seeing it because I've read the book, I've seen the play that it's that's done up at the Shepherd of the Hills homestead, and I read the synopsis of John Wayne's movie, and I just 
oh, I just, I just, I'm working my way up to it. At some point, for the sake of scholarship alone, I have to watch it. But just the summary is just so terrible. What they did to Aunt Molly, I just can't. But anyway, I digress. Again, I do that a lot. But one, anyway, so the thing that's so interesting about the Shepherd of the Hills is what it did for Branson, Missouri. So Branson didn't even really exist at the time that that Wright wrote this book. It was he so he he went and he stayed with um, Mr. and Mrs. Ross, I think was their last name. And their house is still here. It's on the Shepherd of the Hills homestead. And they were when the book was published, people were so enamored by it that they came to this area specifically to interact with the people in the area because old Matt and aunt Molly are based off of the Rosses and, and then of course there's uncle Ike who was based off of uh, somebody who actually lived in the area at the time. And then there's allusions to young Matt and also to the heroine of the story, um, Sammy Lane. And so people would come down here specifically to meet these people. The, the Rosses had a mill, which is talked about in the book as belonging to the Matthews family. And people literally stripped the mill down to nuts and bolts to take away as souvenirs. They would come to the Ross's homestead and stay with them. And Southern hospitality at the time was if strangers came, you took them in, you fed them, you gave them a bed for the night. <clears throat> and it got to the point where they were just so overwhelmed. They could not take it anymore and they moved. It's a genuine miracle that their house was, did, was not subject to the same vandalism that the mill was. And, and it, so the, the house was eventually saved and restored and now it's it's on the homestead like I said Uncle Ike's post office is at the homestead and people were already super enamored by the idea of the Ozarks anyway um there was there was this general consensus I don't know general something to that effect um mysticism almost where they looked at the Ozarks as this sort of American Arcadia it was it was considered God's country, and that's where you went to commune with God through nature. So people would come down here. They, it was just, it was a phenomenon, and the people of the area latched onto that because originally they were a logging community, and the they logged pretty much all of the trees. It was just really sad because this forest was, you know, thousands of years old and they cut down all of the good hardwoods and now it's only just starting to grow back a hundred years later. Our trees are still pretty scrawny, but they they needed a new source of income and revenue, so they leaned hard into tourism. And that's kind of where the whole idea of the American hillbilly came from, was from... Branson, where people came down to this 
area expecting to meet hillbillies and so they in they the locals invented this idea of the hillbilly and played the part on float trips or at you know reenactments or just just on the street meeting people it was it's kind of really bizarre in a way and so from from that we also got uh the calling of dan matthews which is a sequel it's okay it's it's not like it's not got the same impact as the shepherd of the hills and then god in the grocery man is the sequel to the calling of dan matthews and i haven't read that one yet i actually haven't read most of his books yet which is one of the reasons why i want to read them on videos because then we can it's almost like a reaction video because i'm reading it at the same time that you are but yeah so i haven't read most of his books i read his autobiography it was absolutely amazing the last two chapters are particularly impactful i felt i just when i finished it i just felt resonant and i kind of closed it and it was almost i don't know it was almost a spiritual experience it was just so I can't even, I can't even really explain it, but anyway, I just needed to talk about this because the impact that this man has had on our culture and on Branson specifically, obviously, and then also on Tucson because he lived there for a, a good while and he wrote several books that took place in that. When a man's a man, uh, it takes place outside of Tucson um so yeah but i just i needed to share because his at the shepherd of the hills at least is really phenomenal and i look forward to finally having some leisure time to read some more of his books because it's just so great if you get the chance read it if you get the chance to come to branson come it's it's a lot like reading the last two chapters of his autobiography there's just a certain resonance here that can't be denied and is very difficult to explain hey guys thanks for watching that video if you enjoyed it make sure you like subscribe and do all those things that you do when you enjoy a video if you'd like to learn more about us at moms for america or the millennial rant you can visit our website at millennialrant.com or see us on our instagram page at millennial underscore rant i look forward to seeing you next week and i hope that you have a wonderful day